big headline news. Let's just start out with Christian McCaffrey getting traded to the Niners. This is what we're going to start out with, along with some more NFL is scoring down in fantasy football and also our runs down in the MLB. We're talking about all this in 35 minutes. Caleb, what are your impressions now on Christian McCaffrey going to the 49ers? I am so ecstatic, Jeffrey. Christian McCaffrey to the Bay where he belongs, Stanford alumni. Dude, he's going to give this team the boost that they need. Carolina requires a second, third, fourth round pick in 2023 plus a fifth round pick in 2024. That is a steal for San Francisco, I would say. It is. Not losing a first round pick, that is pretty big. It's a steal. But hey, Carolina, give kudos to them with Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey being shipped off. They now have six new draft picks coming up. Is Carolina the team of the future with all these draft picks? I don't know. I'd have to wait a couple years to see that. Who knows? They're like the uh, the Mavs, or no, not the Mavs. The other, the Utah Jazz, just collecting picks. There are winners and losers of this trade, and that's for sure. And this is not just your regular winners and losers. Oh, which one got which? Because I mean, the 49ers got Christian McCaffrey. That's winning. They by have itself. the biggest asset by yeah. far. And uh, may I add before this statement that now the 49ers are probably one of the most versatile teams in the NFL. When you have a running back that can play receiver now, they and have two a of wide them. receiver, they have two of them, and a wide receiver that can play running back. Yeah, that is unique to say the least. Jimmy Garoppolo's job just got a heck of a lot easier. A big winner for this is Kyle Shanahan because he is like a a guru when it comes to play calling. And with all these running backs, the 49ers rank middle-ish, 12th middle of the pack in running the ball right now with 124 yards per game, hampered by the knee injury from Elijah Mitchell suffering in week one. Those figures expect to rise a lot. 100%. Honestly, this is like the only, one of the only weak spots that this team has, and they just became like the best running team in the NFL now. Honestly, in my mind, they're automatically NFC favorites for sure. They are. They really are. And really, as I mentioned, Isaiah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson, those are the losers of this trade. And unfortunately for Isaiah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson fantasy owners, it's a tough road ahead at least. I would keep them on your bench for not, nothing. But but for those two guys, they're not going to be running the ball as much. They're not. Christian McCaffrey in 2022 accounted for 40% of Carolina's offense. Now, this also begs the question, is his fantasy production going to go down a little bit since he's not going to get as much volume on Carolina for fantasy owners? Or do you think that his stock just shot through the roof? I think it's going to stay the same consistently because 40%. I know there's a lot of weapons to go around on that 49ers offense, but I think it'll stay the same for sure. For sure. But... Another one of the losers is the Panthers. Obviously, it's just a bad team operating with an intern coach, Steve Wilkes, and a revolving door at quarterback. Who knows who's going to go up there? But now they have Deonta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard at the running back situation. So now they're in chop for a new running back in the draft, and they're lucky. They're probably going to get a high draft pick. So they could go quarterback. They could go running back. Who knows? They could be the future of the good future of the NFL right now. They could be. And if you're a fantasy owner right now and you're lacking at running back, be sure to pick up Foreman. I think Foreman is going to get the handover Hubbard, but either way, I think it might be a running back by community as well. So if you're in the need for a running back, definitely go snag those guys from your waiver wire. Right That's now. true. We are on the subject of fantasy football and you guys might've seen this on Twitter, but scoring is down 22% from last year. That made some headlines. Football. 
Caleb, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you a bunch of reasons why I may think fantasy football scoring or scoring an overall in the NFL is down in 2022. I want to hear a yes, no, or maybe so from you on why why right, they could it. be. Let's hear so it. before we get into it, I want to talk points per game. And the first was, this was the first three weeks of the season. At 2022, there was 42 points per game, which was 35% over total. 2021, through the first three games, it was 47, and in 2020, it was 51. It hasn't been this low at all in the last 10 years, the scoring. Yeah, that's absurd. Just to think about it. All right, my first kind of reason I think scoring could be down is injuries. Do you think that is a good reason? I definitely think that's a good reason. But also, I feel like a lot of like the high-production offensive guys that have been injured are back this year. McCaffrey, Barkley. There's a lot of guys that are back off the injured list right now. So. You also have guys getting on it. Like, there was Dak Prescott and the, at the beginning of the year. Justin Herbert, Mac Jones, Deshaun Watson remains suspended. It's all these high... The quarterbacks are bringing in the, a lot, most of the points. And if the quarterbacks... If it's all backup quarterbacks, I think it's a fair reason why scoring is down. That's a fair reason. I'll give that one a maybe so. Maybe so. How about player movement? All these big stars rolling around the league, now with Christian McCaffrey moving over to the 49ers, Matt Ryan going to a different team, Russell Wilson going to a different team. Is that another reason? Maybe, yeah, I would say, especially because Russell Wilson, like, you know, he was a high-production offensive player on Seattle, and now that he's in Denver, the numbers are atrocious, but... I would give that one a maybe so also. I mean, we also have recent um, rookie quarterback classes have been so prominent, but that's about the norm. But it should be noted that offensive supporting cast look quite different in Kansas City, Miami, Las Vegas, Green Bay, Tennessee. A lot of these, Tyreek Hill, and look at the wide receivers that are moving around. Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown. From my looks at it, these guys are putting up points. That is very true. That's a good point, the player movement. I would say, I think all these play a little bit of a factor into the low scoring production, but I would say that player movement is definitely a big factor. I agree with that one for sure. Now, with player movement, coaching movement, coaching changes, different offensive schemes that could be different. Is that a reason why coaching is scoring could be down? I would say so also. Yeah, player movement, coach movement. There's a lot of movement in the NFL going on right now. It's exciting. I love it, honestly. I think it's worth considering that in this season, uh, it has a record tying 10 new coaches with some wholesale changes with several staffs along the lines with during the season. But the head coach change total up from seven in 2021 and only five in 2020. But it doesn't necessarily explain why offenses are struggling more in general thus far. I mean, you got... Nathaniel Hackett, who can't move the ball for his life. And the Broncos are now at 16 points per game, which is the lowest in the NFL. It could be a reason the coaches changes. Yeah, that is so bad, especially when you have Russell Wilson under center and you also have a pretty decent receiver core in Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton. Yeah, that's honestly unexcusable. And Russ has accused, like, alleged shoulder injury that magically just disappeared, so... Hey, the speculation. Hey, yep, exactly. This one's a little more far-fetched. What about age? Okay. Is age a significant factor in this? Honestly, every single time Tom Brady steps into a post-game presser and I look at him at his face, I'm like, man, he just honestly loses. 
I don't know what's going on, but his face does not look healthy, man. And doesn't. It looks like it has Botox. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers is getting up there too. A lot of really good players from you know the last five six years are starting to get up there in age and you know they're not putting up nearly as many points so i would agree with that like you said uh aaron Rodgers and tom brady both at 45 and 38 i'm pretty sure you can figure out whose ages are who they have thrown for just seven touchdown passes and combined just six games it's not very much that's not last year's tom brady it's not aaron Rodgers' last year it's a little different and let's talk about russell wilson and matthew stafford they haven't been the same at no, all. Not, not at all. all. Not at all. Well, that's crazy because Aaron Rodgers, he just came off an MVP season, did he not? Yep. That's crazy in just a single year how much these guys' production has gone down. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. You also have 34-year-old Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill get it up there in age. And those are two quarterbacks on, I would say, a fairly highly a high offense. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, Vikings for sure. Yeah. Vikings, yeah. And Matt Ryan, also 37 years old, who has the league's third lowest qualified passer rating so it could be it could be age i think this is we're getting something on the age here we could be we could be all these factors shape up for a bunch of three and three teams man so mm-hmm. how about the defense is getting better oh you think so i think so yeah oh for sure the defense is outplaying the offenses this year that's a no-brainer for sure it's something worth monitoring monitoring you know like keeping an, keeping an eye on agreed there, there's kind of like patterns in this league, and it's entirely possible we're witnessing the b- beginning of a defensive resurgence, a revival, if mm. even, where we've seen the the running back kind of com- the running back committee rise and the franchise running back kind of fall. And from football operations department, did note some marketed changes in the defensive tra- defensive strategy early this season, but the sample size remains pretty small for it. The defenses could be getting better. We uh, we could factor in rule changes. Oh, my gosh, yeah. It doesn't really – I mean, I don't think it makes that big of a difference. But other than that, I think those are the big reasons why scoring could be down. And I shared with you a stat from Twitter about fantasy football, the total PPR points through the years so far. And it's at 18,000 right now. 18,000, a little under 19,000. We saw 20,000 last year in 2021. The last time it's been that low at 18,909 was 2019. Yeesh. Or borderline, we could go 2017, which was 17,977. Yeah, that's so low. It could be a little lower. Yeah. It could be a little lower, but it's something to consider, that's for sure. There's a lot of factors. This is a weird year, but it's shaping up to be a really exciting. You never know who's going to win. When we're doing pickums, it's so hard to be like, oh, 100% confidence this team is going to win. I mean, for crying out loud, the Kenny Pickett Steelers beat Tom Brady's Buccaneers. Like, it's the year of mid. It's the year of mid. The year of mid. Mark it down on the calendar. You mentioned you said week seven pickums. Oh, week seven pickums. I think we got them right now. It's fast. It's furious. It's serious. How about it? Let's get into it. All right, Jeffrey, starting off on Sunday, 10 a.m. games. We got the Cleveland Browns visiting the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to take the Ravens at home in this one. It's hard to bet against Lamar Jackson. Same here. Simple as that. The only concern is Mark Andrews and J.K. Dobbins haven't practiced in two days, but that's it. I'm still taking the Ravens. Then we got Tampa Bay against the run CMC less Carolina Panthers. That was pretty good. Taking the Bucks all day. And then we got Falcons at Bengals. Ooh, 
I honestly might go I'll with go the with... Falcons. Alright, I'll go with the Bengals then. I was just going to go whatever opposite of you. Alright. And then we got the Lions at Cowboys. I'm taking them boys at home. Yep, I agree. It's against uh, the best offense versus one of the best defenses. Might be a and and Dak is back. That's true. Dak, Dak is back. Is back. Then we got the Giants at Jacksonville at home. I'm going to go with Jacksonville in this one. I'm going to go with the Giants. I'm bought in on the Giants. I don't know about it. Something about it. All right, then Colts at Titans. I'm going to go with the Titans at home. Titans at home. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. Packers at the Commanders. Dude, the Packers coming off a of two-game L's back-to-back. I'm going to go with the Commanders at home. Oh, wow. I'm going Packers. They're favored in this game. Rodgers going to be pissed that he just lost over a couple Jets at Denver. I'm gonna go with the New York Jets in this one. Same here. They're looking good. Brees Hall's studly. Texans at Raiders. I'm gonna take the Raiders at home. Texans. Seahawks at Chargers. Oh, I'm gonna go with the Seahawks. No, <laughs> come on, bolt gang or don't bang. Chargers all the way. Chiefs at Niners. Oh, I'm going with the Niners at home, baby. Niners. Okay, you think that CMC is gonna make an impact? Hopefully like... he plays. Hopefully he plays this week. Okay, I'm gonna go Chiefs on this one. Then we got Steelers at Dolphins. I'm going to take the Dolphins at home. Take the Steelers. Why not? They're hot. Monday night, prime time. Bears find themselves in prime time once again against the New England Patriots. And I'm going to take the Pats at home. Two mid-QBs. Give me the Patriots. Jeffrey, your Los Angeles Dodgers. Here we go. Man. It's tough. It's really tough. And now what I'm asking myself is what they're going to do in free agency. That's for sure. There are a lot of free agents. There are 10 free agents. Three of them catch my eye. Maybe four. Let's hear them. Um, one of them's Tyler Anderson. Gold Glove winner. Gold Glove finalist. Finalist. Gold Glove finalist. Still yet to be a Gold Glove winner. Tyler Anderson, I think they should consider re-signing. He had a very good year. He was third in the National League in wins and had a great postseason start. Yeah, he one did. One of the best ones on the staff. Yeah, he did. Arguably. It was the best one. It was the best one for sure. He is definitely a person to bring back. If we sign another pitcher, we could throw him in the bullpen possibly, but he is a good addition. The Dodgers turned him into a really good pitcher. Definitely. I, think so. I agree with that. Another one is Chris Martin. Chris Martin. Chris Martin, who we, the Dodgers recently got from the Cubs. He had, since he joined the Dodgers, he had a sub-2 ERA, and he was one of our best guys next to Evan Phillips. He was one of the best guys in the bullpen this postseason, too. That's true. It's one of those things where the bullpen is super important, even though the offense was very lackluster with runners in scoring position. So lackluster. So, and now segueing into, I would want to say Kershaw, but I think he's expected back. But he's yeah. not on my list, though. He's a he. Granted, yes, we want him back, but he's not something I have, I have my eye on. Do you want him back just so that he'll be a career Dodger, or do you think that he'll sign a he'll retire a Dodger regardless? He's not retiring anytime soon, I don't think. Maybe he's got one last year. Maybe he'll get it in one more year, anyways, if they win. But another person I have is uh, obviously Trey Turner, future San Francisco Giant. You heard it he's here first. He's not going to be Giant. He's either going staying in West Coast with the Dodgers, or go or he's going out East. Where do you think he'd land in the East? That's a good question. I have no who, who clue. Who needs a shortstop? A lot of people need shortstops, but I feel like the shortstop position is being is not as important as it was around when Troy Tulowitzki was in the league when he was like the one of the leading shortstops and Swan Akimari. It just doesn't seem as important as a position as it does. 
I agree. Back then, the shortstop, all the best MLB players were shortstops. Yes. You had Tulo, you know, that's Jimmy, Crawford. Jimmy Rawlings. Jimmy Rawlings. Crawford was, he's still a beast, but he was a beast back then, too. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, Trey Turner is someone to keep an eye on. He is 30 years old. I've heard he wants an eight-year deal. Ooh. Dodgers are probably only willing to give him six. It's something I would give him six. But Dodger fans, close your ears for this because <laughs> I want I want the Dodgers to be looking at Carlos Correa. Oh, for sure. Okay. And I am tired of the so and so sweet fairy fairy dust <laughs> pixie land team. We need some dogs in there. We need some guys who can who can stir it up a little. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why the Dodgers didn't win is yeah. because they didn't have that guy. They didn't have, we'll say, the unsung hero. I agree with that. I've been lucky enough in my lifetime to see my favorite MOB team win three World Series in a very short span. And, dude, if you look at those Giants teams, they're littered with unsung heroes. Yes. Just to name a few, Marco Scudero, Cody Ross, Yosemara Boutique, Romo, Jeremy Affelt. I mean, honestly, how many of those guys could you like name off the top of your head thinking about Giants not in the postseason? Like, it's a lot. It's a lot, yeah. And those teams, they were never the one seed. They were never the best team. They're never expected to win, but they got it done. I think the Dodgers should at least acknowledge Carlos Correa. But do you would you put Carlos Correa in that unsung hero category, or do you think he's just another superstar? He's the person that just sits down and does his work. He's almost like a Puig, mm. where Puig was a big asset in the 2003. 17 18 world series where he was coming up with clutch home runs no one is really no one really had that clutch factor i mean when you're when you're 0 for 20 when you have a stretch of being 0 for 20 with runners in scoring position that is an understatement that you can't even get a guy in that is true and there's also i mean you got player options like justin turner hanser alberto danny duffy and jimmy nelson those are guys out of player option i don't think justin turner's coming back i don't think we the dodgers should i keep trying to say we but i'm trying to be unbiased (laughs) here Uh, i don't think justin turner should the dodgers should accept that player option back i think it's miguel vargas time he's only had a baker's dozen worth amount of hits in three postseasons 2020 from 2022 and it's time for him to go and also, it's time for Cody Bellinger to go as well, for sure, because he is his swing is so lost, and I feel like it's not even worth just keeping him at this moment. And it'll be a tough loss, but he'll be gone. I mean, it's hard to let go of guys that are part of a 111-win team. Do you think that the Dodgers should consider Correa and other guys possibly and maybe sacrifice some regular season glamour for some possible postseason run absolutely because they should be looking at Degrom as well we're forgetting he's a free agent this year and they're supposed to look at Aaron Judge I don't kind of don't want that to happen be almost too OP and if we if I'm not even gonna talk no we're not even gonna put it out in existence going in the next year well I mean next year Aaron Judge is gonna hit for only like 20 homers anyways so yes that's (laughs) that's a hot take (laughs) put on record but it's we got they should look at DeGrom for sure if they want a good a good pitching to go along with it because bullpen is super important. There's seven guys under contract right now, three of them pretty darn important, I think, in my opinion. And that's Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and I'm going to say Max Muncy. Max Muncy was getting held off from an elbow injury, and 
he started really he was a good he was the the one small bright light in the Dodgers postseason where he actually hit I think 380 to 400 in the postseason he did really well yeah him and Freeman him and Freeman had a good series against the Padres really well and it's I think he's he's going to be doing big things next year he just had that elbow injury he's still getting back from didn't feel so comfortable swinging the bat but now he does we saw it in the postseason it's going to happen given this offseason it's going to be good I definitely agree now Jeffrey we got to stop talking logistics and just get down to it is this the worst upset that you've ever seen in your life in the postseason yes I agree I think so it's they the Dodgers had the best run differential since 1939 yeah and not to mention that they're 14 and 5 against the Padres in the regular season the Padres didn't even win a series against they the didn't. Dodgers. I watched every single one of those they didn't win a series and it was utter dominance for the Dodgers against the Padres just wrong timing Anyone can get hot at any time in baseball, and that's the beauty of exactly, it. Exactly. You're absolutely right. And, yes, this goes down as one of the uh, biggest fails in MLB history. Who do you think is to blame? If you had to if you had to, The offense. Your... 100% the offense. Okay. It's no one on the front. It's no one on the coaching. Absolutely no one on the coaching. Absolutely no one on the coaching. Front office, no. It's just the execution of the offense didn't show up, and our bullpen was pretty darn good. And that happens. Offenses get cold. It happens. It does. Especially in the Padres' bullpen is as hot as they were, too. Yep. It was. It's better luck next year. You know, just got to wait till next year. And speaking of kind of this year, next year, I want to talk about kind of the run differential. Or kind of not really the run differential, but the lack of runs this year. Or, la- yeah, this year in the regular season, 2022. And it's a lot. I want to hear what you have to think about it. Pitching is just getting so much better. You think? Dude, everyone is over 95 pitching. That's that's true. I think pitching is going to keep evolving, honestly. You have guys out here pumping 100 in the bullpen. You have starters throwing 100. And the pitching is just getting wicked right now. And as a hitter, it's hard to go up there and face guys that just throw 95 every single guy with nasty breaking stuff. So this year, in 2022... Between the AL and the NL, a grand total of 20,817 runs were scored. That's the lowest since 2015 at 20,647. Yeesh. 21, 22, 21, 23. Now I'm kind of curious on why this is the reason. So I looked at one of the most important. What do you think, first of all, what do you think the most important stat in baseball is offensively? Hits. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> this guy runs a podcast. <laughs> I can't think right this now. This guy bro. runs a podcast. The most important stat in baseball on I base think. base percentage. Close. OPS. Okay. It's on base plus slugging. If you don't know what that is, it's yes, on base percentage plus slugging, how many extra base hits you have, and that counts as home runs. The twenty twenty two year, year by year average. OPS was 706. Or it's the first time it's under it's at lower to 700 since 2014. It ranks 2022 it ranks with the year of the 1933 season was better at OPS than the 2022 season. They kept track of OPS back then. Yeah, they did. Wow. It's up there it's 1933 and then below it is 1900 at 705. Okay, but does baseball have the solution for the lack of offensive production with banning the shift next year? Is that the answer, you think? 
It could be. I don't know. I'm kind of scratching my head at this why the offensive production has been so low. Pitchers are getting better, but they banned sticky substance. It was actually hitting was up when sticky substance was allowed. So who's not hitting? The Dodgers aren't. <laughs> oh my gosh. Way too soon. But yeah, slugging has been bad since 2014. That's the worst year it's been. We're not going to, it's kind of, can't really count 2020. Actually, we can because they did play, they did play a season. Yeah. It wasn't as long, but they did play a season. 2020, it was, it was higher. It was 740. It was one of the highest. But, well, if you can count on Manfred for anything, he's going to do everything yes. he can to fix this. Because that low offensive production is bad for baseball. It is. But sure. what I noticed from this year's postseason was, Everybody, if you were below 94, you're getting you got crushed. You got crushed. Let's look at Spencer Strider's outing against the Phillies. Yeesh. All in the regular season, he sat 97, 99. Maybe caught a couple of hundreds. I think so. During that postseason start, he was 94 to 96. To be fair, he was also coming off injury. That's true. Was he healthy? Who knows? Maybe not, but that that ball that Reese Hoskins rocked and sent Philly into a <laughs> frenzy, that fastball is at 94 miles an hour. I'm happy for Philly's fans. Speaking of which, Jeffrey, should we talk some predictions down here? Yeah, I think we should. All right, Astros, Yankees, who you got? <laughs> I heard my buddy said a take. He said the Astros might not lose a game in the postseason. Wow. And that hasn't been done. In the wild card era, but the last team to do that was the 1976 Cincinnati Reds, where they swept the ALC, the NLCS, and they swept the World Series. But since the wild card era, no one has done that. that but the be- Astros are just looking so good. I hate to admit it, but they're looking so good. I agree with that. I think maybe the Yankees steal a game in the LCS. They could, but they're gonna they're gonna get this done in five max six tops. Hundred percent for sure. All right, moving on to the NL. Who you got, Phillies, Padres? See, this one, like I said, battle the mid-teams. It's been a mid-year wow. for... It's been a, look, there's 88... That's disrespectful. They're 88-87 win teams. They were and so they beat, bad they beat in the And they beat 111-win teams. Regardless. Oh, it's, my gosh. They split at Petco. Padres and Phillies, they split at Petco. Yeah. I think that gives Phillies the advantage going back to Philadelphia. I want Phillies in seven. I think it's going to be Phillies in seven. I like that, and I agree with that. I but want the Phillies. The to move thing on. is, it's gonna be. It's if it goes the seven, it's going back to Petco. Very true. Both team, both environments are absolutely surreal. Those fans are so hungry. They're so happy to have postseason baseball back in their ballparks. Yeah, I had. I'm in. Obviously, you know me. I'm from San Diego. Got a lot of San Diego buddies who root for the Padres. We got a group chat. They're fine in the in the NLD in the NLDS. They were fine as soon as they started losing to the Phillies. All hell broke loose in that group <laughs> chat. Guy was like, I'm so pissed. They're not hitting. They're not doing this. And I'm just looking over. It's like, bruh. Welcome to my world. <laughs> Welcome to my world. They are freaking out. It's one game. They split, which is good, as you should on the road. Previous coach I had had a, had a philosophy. You split on the road, win at home. That's how you win series. Philly split on the road. Done deal. They're going to go. Hopefully win two. For them, for their expense, to hopefully win two. And then they're back. They got Zach Wheeler on the mound in a clinching game. Zach Wheeler. He's been, honestly, their MVP. Hel- holding the Padres to one hit. 
in the first game. Disgusting. That was the game everybody was freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just rooting for the broadcast team at this point. <laughs> love my boy Joe Davis. <laughs> Shout out Joe Davis. Joe Davis. Get yeah. him on the pod. Get <laughs> Joe Davis on the pod. <laughs> we love that. But it's I like the Phillies in seven here, and I'm not saying that against the because I don't like Padres or I don't like Padre fans. I think that the Phillies are gonna be the better team here. Speaking of National League East, Jeffrey, we got some trouble in Anaheim. Is Shohei Otani going to end up a Met after this year? Billy Eipler, the GM for the New York Mets, former GM for Anaheim, he was the initial executive that brought Otani to the States. With Otani being unhappy in Anaheim, do you think, is it plausible that he ends up a New York Met after this season? Why the Mets, though? I guess the only speculation would be because of Billy Eipler being the former GM for the Angels. And plus, oh, so that's that, okay. Gave me the explanation. I don't know. I think he brings Shohei Otani brings a fantastic as, aspect to baseball. He brings more fans in, hundred percent. And people tend to go to California, and the Angels should be the place for him. He signed the arbitration this year for one year. Question marks to say the least. I think it's all one big theory. At I, th- this I think point. it depends on how the Angels do this season, also. You think the Mets are a landing spot for him in the future? If they can't sign DeGrom this offseason, I think, think they go. I would go Otani, bro. He, I honestly think Otani's an upgrade from DeGrom. Just because he can hit. That's why. I think he's a better pitcher, too. You think. What? Yeah. Just because he's not as injured? Realize he had Tommy John surgery like a year and a half ago. That's true, but did you see what Otani did this year pitching? Yes. Pitching wise? He led the American League in pitching stats while also hitting, dude. What pitching stats, though? Like, he had a 3-2 ERA. Yes, he had a higher year, lower ERA than Garrett Cole. More strikeouts than Verlander. It's all pretty good, but I don't think he's a better pitcher than DeGrom. I mean, did DeGrom put up those numbers that you just said? Because he was injured. But he definitely could have. Full season. I can't remember the last time he had a full season. That's also why, too. Otani's played full seasons both both years, and he's been MVP. He won MVP the last season, and he was an MVP candidate. Should honestly win the MVP this year if Aaron Judge. <laughs> if Aaron Judge didn't exist, then he would win the MVP this year. This is year. why we talked about how postseason should matter, could matter in the MVP category. Yeah, I don't know. So Aaron Judge, obviously, what 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 is he batting right now in the postseason? I don't think below two sixty. Below two sixty. I so think he was two for seven. I think he was. Two for 17 against the Guardians. Two for 17. And those are both home runs. He but. almost had a home run, I think, yesterday. Could have gone out, and the Yankees would have won and split on the road. Yeah, but Aaron Boone was crying about how the the top was down at the, Oh, my at gosh. Maid, he so did not. He did say so. Holy he said that, He said if the roof was up, then that's a no-doubt shot. So. No-doubt shot. It's Whatever. a whole – it's the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. The shoulda, coulda, wouldas. When you play in a Little League park, it's easy to cry about home runs when you come to a big boy stadium. That's true. <laughs> big boy stadium. <laughs> Those out at, yeah, at the right field port the Yankees. Get out of here, man. Get out of here. Schwarber hit a dong that would have cleared your guys' ballpark twice. Schwarber's 488-foot home run was the largest at Petco Park in the StatCast era. Yeah, that's nuts. Dude, you're at sea level when you hit a ball that that's far. That's nuts. Imagine in Colorado. That would have cleared it's, the state. Look, I've been to Petco Park more more than any ballpark. It's the farthest ball I've ever seen at Petco Park go. I've seen Haley Ramirez crank one off the Western Metal Supply Building Yeesh. three stories up. Yeesh. The farthest ball I've ever seen was Cargo, Carlos Gonzalez, his prime on the Rockies. 
I saw him smack a freaking shot off of Mad Bum straight into the bay. That was the farthest ball I've ever Goals. seen. Yep. Oh, Cargo. Now we're just dreaming about what could have been. Well, the the real times of the MLB before the before the numbers, it was just so legendary. Before Statcast. Before Statcast, indeed. But now we're speculating. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us for this talk with these two NFL MLBs. Maybe you guys can figure out why both stats are down in the NFL and MLB. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Send us a DM. Let us know. Yeah, shoot us a DM. Follow our Instagram. Do all of it. We have a TikTok coming our way. Plus, starting next week or maybe the week after, we'll have videos posted on YouTube of our podcast. You can actually see us talking. You get to see us smile, laugh, cry, cry for my expense. All the above. All the above. So that's coming up in the next couple weeks. Take care. We'll see you guys soon.